11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Alexis Cat. Alexis, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? It's going good. Um, so let's just go back in time a little bit. What's your What's your first memory of playing soccer? Ah, um, I know there are pictures of me playing when I was five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, remembering playing like good memories is probably like. U12 had a just a bunch of bunch of girlfriends that played together and I was known as the enforcer because I grew pretty quickly and there I stayed but I didn't know what it meant but I just went with it and uh I think it's funny that I was kind of known as this like big strong like kind of like you know an enforcer and now I'm a much more mild-mannered so mm-hmm. gotcha nothing nothing too exciting really I played I played like five or six sports so Gotcha. And you and you grew, you were born and uh, grew up in Chile. I was born there. Uh, my sister and I were adopted, so we we did grow up in like Chicago and Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I pretty much just lived in Indiana off and on for most of my life until um, graduating high school. Gotcha. And um, and then where did from like did you play soccer in in high school? Mm-hmm. And then where did that like take you? Um, and what were you like trying to accomplish? And how was your career in high school? Um, honestly, like I had a really great time playing soccer in high school. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, it was kind of the close friends from we played together from U twelve, U fourteen, all the way um, through high school. But I, I growing up in Indiana, was a big basketball fan. I was loving basketball was like my jam. I, I thought I was going to go to UConn and that's really like all I was focused on. So I didn't, I didn't really know a lot about the, I guess, pathway to pro soccer that we call it now. Um, I didn't, you know, we, we had spring soccer, you know, we had a travel team, but we didn't have clubs and academies where I lived. And we didn't really understand a lot of like the recruiting process or like the any semi-professional. We didn't know anything about that in Southern Indiana. So I was I was big basketball until until my senior year of high school. I realized it probably wasn't going to happen. So I I did stick with soccer just because it's kind of one of the only sports that you can continue playing regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it really wasn't a dream of mine. I wanted to play. I wanted to be an athlete. That's kind of all I knew how to do. That's Mm -hmm. all I did growing up. But to be honest, soccer was not really on my horizon. 
Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, that's funny you said you got to because I'm actually from Connecticut. <laughs> so ironic. Um, yeah, so so then you you ended up going to Purdue for college. Um, I know you played mm-hmm. club soccer there, and then like like you said, um, like after after just like playing, um, you know, club soccer, did you did you ever like think you were going to go pro, or like was that a goal? I know you just said you never thought about it, but what about like during college career? It was. I don't remember the exact time, probably pretty late in, in my college career that I, I got wind of like what it meant to play international soccer and that mm-hmm. um, playing for the Chilean national team was an option. Cause I just assumed I didn't live there and, you know, I was adopted and it happened, you know, at birth. So I really didn't have much of a tie. So I didn't even think about me being able to do so. And then um, I guess at some point I just, I don't, I think it was probably, it was probably because the men's team was having a lot of success in the world cup. And I, I really enjoyed being able to, to cheer for someone, not the U S like, it was just kind of mm-hmm. the cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, and so I looked more into it and then I realized like, just because I was born there, that gives me, that gives me, um, the right to be able to at least try out and be part of the team. So I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just started thinking about it and being like, you know, if I, I still love to play. Um, and maybe if there's a way to, to keep playing, mm-hmm. then I'll go for that. But I just, I really had no clue. And I just don't, I wasn't gung ho about like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Like I kind of thought that that's what I was doing, but I think realistically it was just like, if it happens, this would be the coolest thing. And I would love everything about it. I'd give my hundred percent, but if it doesn't, you know, I'm back to where I've, kind of always been gotcha and then what what was it like to to step on the pitch for the first time and be a pro um it's you know I know a lot of people say it's surreal and it really is like it's just a kind of it's a different environment like it almost the air just feels different if that makes sense mm-hmm. um my my first opportunity was with the the Haitian national team um and I know that sounds really random but their coach um, died in the earthquake in 2012. And so they were brought to the U S to play in South Bend, Indiana. And that's where the the coach who overtook the team lived. And so they were playing in the WPSL UWS. And I met the assistant coach for Haiti mm-hmm. at Purdue, like at a bar post-graduation, like just some, it was pretty random night. And I just happened to be like, yeah, I want to play. Like, I want to play for the the Chilean team. And he's like, well, how about the Haitian team? And I was like, I mean, sure. (laughs) I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it it meant exactly. And so without kind of spending too much time on it, I I moved to South Bend. I quit my job um, because I was living in Indianapolis just for a few months or for a little bit. And I played with them for two years. And so I got to play in every match that was, you know, like UWS, WPSL, because since that's just regular American league. And then I got to compete with them as a Haitian team, if it was a non FIFA sanctioned match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to stay, I got to um, be their fitness trainer and be on the technical staff for them when they did go to, I uh, we went to World Cup qualifiers in Haiti and Trinidad, and then we got to be in the Gold Cup and the Central American and Caribbean Games in Mexico. That's dope. 
Yeah. So that really like lit my, like lit my fire and just see like people true, like right in front of me, right next to me on the field competing for their country. And, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of joke and say, I'm honorary Haitian. Like I'm allowed to claim it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's not mine. It's not my blood. It's not my, you know, my heritage. And so I really wanted to do whatever it took to get there. And mm-hmm. the coaches knew that. And they told me, yeah, we'll call the Federation. And they would, any interview that was done for me or any like article written about me, they were like, yeah, we're getting her ready for her team camp in Chile. She's going to go, you know, this coming September. We're excited for her. And then I find out none of these conversations ever happened. They don't know anyone at the Federation. They didn't set these team camps up. And so I'm just like, kind of chugging along, doing everything I can, trying to prepare myself. And then meanwhile, I'm missing out on the opportunity to go. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was going to happen. You kind of, uh, especially young players, female players, I would say we put our trust into these coaches Yeah, and they don't care. Right. And mm-hmm. so it just never happened until I was like, I'm just going to call the Federation myself <laughs> and then tell go. them who I am and see what happens from there. So I called, I just looked up the number, yeah. called the Federation, and there just happened to be, like, the guy's office who I called, he wasn't there, but there happened to be um, one of their media guys walking by, and he heard the phone, and he answered. And I'm kind of like, you know, does anyone speak English? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I was like, oh, that's, okay, it's easier than I thought. But he actually had worked in the U.S. for a while, so I got I got lucky, because I can speak Spanish, I would say I'm between comfortable and fluent. Um, but not as well practiced to have been able to do logistics of trying to plan me coming over there to try out and be part of this team in Spanish. Um, so we got a trial set up. I went down, uh, after leaving the Haitian team. So I was like, you know, I kind of got everything out of them that I could. They did give me some cool opportunities. Like I said, with gold cup and the central American Caribbean games, but I went down myself, played for the U 20 coach in the club Colo Colo and they're like we like you you can come back um you know we're in the middle of a season right now but if you want to come and play club until we have you know national team camps you're welcome to do that yeah that's great I mean yeah your whole story is crazy and that's crazy too I mean it's not even like uh even like when you said uh you know they there's just like always dirty stuff going in any sport so like it's not even that shocking about like hearing that you know, they, they said, you know, they were going to call them and they didn't call them, but that's dope that you took initiative yourself and called them. Yeah. I mean, it just, I would have felt better knowing, even if they said, you know, we're not really interested or, you know, we don't, we don't need you or whatever. At least I would have heard that from them. And at least it would have been, okay. The reason I didn't make it is because of this like tangible answer. Yeah. And um, I was listening to uh, the interview with Brian Jordan and he was kind of saying the same, you know, I walked on to a lot of these opportunities. I just kind of made it happen. It wasn't highly recruited. And I, none of my really nothing in my career until my most, until like one UWS team. And then now mm-hmm. where someone, the coach actually reached out and said, I want you to come play. Um, it's just, these things just kind of happen. And I was told like, you know, it's not random, you, you know, it's, it's things that you've done in the past that make it 
to where it seems like chance, but yeah. it's so it's it it really is weird and it's crazy to me when I when I go back and think about it because I I listen to a lot of other people's stories on how they you know they wanted to play professional soccer their whole life and they just they had it all planned out and they did they went and they got recruited in like the normal way and they just they keep kind of going down the line of mm-hmm. of how it's supposed to be and I I don't even know what that looks like yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I interviewed over like 60 something players now, soccer players, and I feel like everyone's different. There wasn't like a lot uh, of the straight paths because there's just like a million different ways to make it now. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about like playing indoor soccer versus outdoor soccer. Like what's the differences and like, what, is there like harder aspects in, in each? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating. I played I played indoor in Houston for a while and it is a lower level. Um, but it's kind of a mixture of people who understand the indoor game and then also outdoor players who are just playing inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the easiest way to differentiate it is that there, there is a true strategy and a different style of play. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the indoor game to other people, when we're trying to market it or tell our friends or family, we, we, say it's very similar to basketball or hockey because it's five of us on the field plus a goalkeeper. So six, and it is a pretty big arena. We play on a lot of ice rinks. Mm -hmm. So that gives you kind of the size of it. And there we get to use the walls. Some arenas have some glass or boards over the top of the goal. So you can shoot over the goal and it can still bounce back in. Um, It's fast. It's way more physical. It's allowed to be a little bit more physical. It's high scoring, unless you're going against us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking as a as a defender, and there's music, you know. So it's kind of like basketball and hockey, where there's a lot of interaction with the fans going on during the game. We always have um, things going on. We play four quarters, mm-hmm. so there's a you know sometimes some trivia or little games that kids can play during halftime. Um, and it's just, it is crazy. The different strategy because our coach, we're, we're lucky to have a coach who's played indoor. He played in the MASL for 10, 10 years, 12 mm-hmm. years, maybe oh, if I get it wrong, sorry, Corey. Um, but he, I mean, he's one of the smartest guys in it and he has given us the strategy, how to defend And there's so many things that are like, you have to break yourself from this indoor habit that you have. It's like the way we, the way we direct you defensively, like we, we'd rather you go all the way down the boards. Like there are times where you almost want to get beat as long as you're getting beat down the boards or it's okay if they get a shot off because you're directing them to a low percentage shot. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, especially as defenders, we, we take pride in not ever getting beat or no one shooting on us, but sometimes that is the best option to just have them shoot it right to your goalkeeper's hands. Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players. Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one? Now you can with B pro by perfect soccer, head over to perfectsoccerskillscom slash B E P R O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and you play for the the Mem- Memphis Americans. Yes, you guys won yes. the championship last year. We did. 
We did. The women's team did. How was that? So how was the season overall? It was it was really interesting. Um, so we have a men's and a women's team. And so mm-hmm. every market who enters the league has to have both. So you play back to back. I don't know how all the other teams are, but we train together. Mm-hmm. So there are there's sometimes where we will split up to where it's just guys and just girls still in the same session. But we each have our own like half the field to work on it but otherwise we're mixed in with boys so i think that gives us i think that gives both teams an advantage um just their different styles of play yeah. um but there were only a few teams last year so you start to play the same teams over and over and like we travel to georgia north carolina this year we're going to florida there's a couple of teams there um but last year, like, you know, the travel is, is so-so and the nutrition is so-so and you kind of just have to, to roll with it, you know, being, we are, you know, supposed to be grateful for these positions that we're in. Um, but it did, it did make it tough, especially playing a game on Saturday and then you play a game on Sunday. Um, and then you take a flight. Well, this year we'll, we'll fly sometimes, but you take a bus back last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just you know, find little things like that, but it's really, it was fascinating. Like just seeing which teams and which players could adjust to playing inside. Cause this is the first like true professional league for women. And the men have had it for gosh, like since the seventies, I think maybe even before that. Um, so just seeing how they adjust, seeing how like subbing is so differently. We do it like hockey. Your shifts are like a minute and a half, two minutes which is wild to get used to at first. But if you, if you go longer, if you go longer than two minutes on, on your shifts in the first half, you're dead in the second half. That's just, you're sprinting essentially the whole time. Um, But yeah, anyway, over time, it just, like I said, you're playing the same team. So sometimes like it becomes more of a battle, not being too physical with each other. Cause you've seen it, you know, like in basketball or, um, hockey where they play the same teams in their playoff series. They'll play like best of five, best of seven. And you just see them getting a little bit more chippy each time because they're probably tired of going against each other. So you kind of battle that. You, but then at the same time, you start to get to know some of these players. We've a lot of us have formed friendships with girls on the other team, same with the men. Um, and then our, our finals, they actually cut, cut a couple of our away games in put them together with the finals weekend. So my team specifically, we traveled to Columbus, Georgia, it's a six hour drive on on Thursday. We played them Thursday night, traveled to Fayetteville, North Carolina on Friday, played them. And both of those games were still technically regular season games. And then Saturday we played in the semifinal and Sunday we played the final. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I mean, it kind of makes it, it's fun because our like, I think our team has a lot of fighters on it. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of teams do, but I think we just, I think our personalities fight in a different way. And so we were pissed off about a lot of that situation, but it, it fuels you and it just makes you like, if we're going to go through this, we're going to win the damn thing. Yeah. And, you know, we got it. It worked out being able to play Rome. They're 
they were our toughest team to play against. They got, they've got a lot of really good players. Um, and it was, it was a battle. It was four to four, I think, or four to three. I can't, I should, I should remember. I've watched the ending of this enough times. Um, but it was just the last like minute and a half is literally just us clearing every ball we can. We just wanted it out of our area. And then one of our girls ended up scoring the, the goal that would put us two up with like four seconds left. So it was, yeah, a lot of injury, a lot of, a lot of stress. I mean, we had, we had girls that got injured that weekend. I was on a half a leg, you know, you can't, it's like, you can't walk. We just tell the trainer, tape it up. You take a bunch of Advil and you you go out and win yourself a championship. Yeah, for sure. And what about what what are your goals for this season? Oh, we definitely want to repeat. Um, You know, we've got two teams out of Tampa and Orlando that look, that look pretty strong. We, we saw Tampa play uh, last weekend and they did pretty well. And we go to Orlando this weekend. So that'll be the first time anyone seeing Orlando play. So repeat for sure. I uh, am actually in my final season. Mm-hmm. It was like, I call it my farewell tour. So I'm going to be kind of taking as much enjoyment as I can out of each and every one of these games. Um, but I am coming off an injury. So I missed the home opener, which was one of the biggest like emotional bummers ever. And I'm hoping to come back for this game on Sunday. See how it goes. Um, but I certainly don't want to do anything that ruins the rest of the season. So we're just kind of taking it day by day. Um, but overall, even though I won't be a part of it after this year, I just, I hope that they get, I hope they get their stuff together. I hope the league overall can, can figure out its pain points. I hope we can get more fans to come because it's such an interesting experience, you know, soccer fans like it. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a cool aspect of the game, but then you get a lot of non-soccer fans too, because of the entertainment level. It, like I said, it's faster, it's physical, there's music. Like we just want more people to enjoy it. And it's like, I promise you, if you just come, you'll like it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I want good exposure for them. I want better resources for, for the teams. I want, you know, equal everything on the girls side. It just, I just really want to see growth out of it because I think it could be a cool thing. And, I, and I've been waiting for this women's indoor since I saw my first MASL, the pro men's, I saw in like 2013, 2014. I was like, man, I can't wait to go do this. And yeah. here we are in its second season in 2023. Yeah. So I'm glad it's here, but I'm sad it took so long because I just, I, I'm at a point where I'm ready to 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 move on to the next yeah, for sure. I mean, no, I mean, your your path and uh, your journey is crazy uh, through all the <laughs> yeah. stuff you went through, and and now you're here. So that's dope. Um, are you ready for the the five Quincy questions? Oh yes. <laughs> all right. What's the what's the most important quality or skill that you feel has helped you become a successful pro? Um, I would say maybe resilience. All right. It's definitely not anything technical. I'll tell you that. <laughs> My technical ability did not get me very far. Um, but yeah, resilience is, you know, I've, I've only gone into maybe a quarter of kind of the, the dumb situations I've found myself in. And I still, 
kept going, whether that's insanity or, or determination, I'm not really sure which, maybe a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just all the experiences that I've had have helped give me composure and a, a mental strength on the field that is that kind of helps me keep it together for myself and uh, for my teammates around me. For sure. Uh, what's the biggest mistake you think pro players are making? Who, um, on one side, I would say it's the similar, similar mistake that I made where you're kind of doing everything on your own. And I think now, especially like you, you need to have support, whether it's an agent or just things in writing. Um, you need to know that not just cause you sign a contract, it doesn't mean that everything's, you know, going to be what do they call it? Flowers and roses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's not it's not necessarily going to go as you think it's going to go and it's not all going to be glamorous so we just need to take the proper precautions to make sure that you're you're taking care of your needs are seen and that you um are ready for a little bit of, of tribulation yeah definitely um what is some advice would uh what is some advice you'd give to a young player Ooh, um i'm gonna go Again, away from the the technical stuff, like obviously practicing is is inherent. It's an obvious one. I would say, I would say to just study parts, study parts of the game, study more than just the skill. And you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be able to put yourself in situations where your personality might not match or your style might not match. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so much more off the field, you know, that you need to be ready for. Um, so just, you know, paying attention and being able to have a good vision on and off the field because your, your technical ability is not going to, not going to do it all for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So these next two could be either soccer related or, or life related. Uh, what is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? I'm going to piggyback off of kind of what I was saying earlier that a lot of a lot of people feel like pro athletes have it all have it all laid out that everything is is easy you don't have to you don't have to work um i i had a friend before and i had two days with the haitian team we did two days but i didn't really have to do much in between but i told them i was tired and they were like how are you tired you don't even work <laughs> i was like oh, well <laughs> You know, because we have to be mentally on yeah. for every single practice, you know, and now it's a little, it, it's being more accepted. Like you, you need time off, you need time off, but you can't just clock, you can't just clock in and clock out. You can't just coast on your computer for, you know, all day. Like we are mentally and physically in it every single time we step on the pitch. And, yeah. you know, we, like, there are plenty of things that we do have to figure out, you know, especially in leagues that might not have the money and resources like we have to to do our own recovery and to figure out our own nutrition and just to make sure we're taking care of our bodies it's not all you know we can we can see at the at the highest level and we can see Ronaldo and LeBron James like you know having everything there but they obviously worked for that and they've got a lot of money and resources to do what they do and so you know pro athletes in general like there, there's a lot more to it than it's not just us, you know, playing a game. Yeah, for sure. 
what is something you'd move forward with if you weren't scared if things didn't go well? Like like not soccer? Yeah, any, anything. Anything. Um, my dream is to travel, travel the world, going to soccer events, soccer-related communities, pretty much anything soccer, um, and do, like, photography, videography, yeah videography that's it right um documentary like just meeting the people and meeting communities and seeing how they tie in to the soccer culture like i would that's 100 percent what i would do i try to do it a little bit on my own right now um you know until it's sustainable but that's what i would love to do i i've gotten to travel to so many different countries and meet so many different people through soccer and i would love to to do more of that and to tell other people's stories and, and just find out, like, I love the behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big stats person. Like I'm a huge soccer fan. I don't even like European soccer. I don't know anything about history. I don't know a lot about any player's stats. I don't remember a whole lot of specific goals and moments, to be honest, but I just love, I love the game and I love what it does for communities. And so I, if, if I knew that either money was no issue or if I could just do it anyway, like I would, that's what I would do. Just travel, tell stories and play soccer. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause you know, obviously soccer is the number one sport in the world. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different cultures and countries and people. So that'd be crazy. Um, are you ready for these last few fun questions? Yes. All right. Who would you want to do a jersey exchange with, like all of all time? Oh gosh, all time. All time. That's supposed to be fun ones. These are the hard ones. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh gosh, I don't know why this this should not have been so hard. Uh, Alexis Sanchez. All right. What's your uh, favorite food? Gosh. What's my not favorite food? Would be an easier one. Uh, <laughs> Vietnamese, I think, is a generic food group. All right. Um, what do you What do you like to do outside of soccer? Um, I like to go. I do like to go to sporting events and other. Like, I love going to walkable cities. Okay. Just being outside in the sunshine, exploring either a city or going to like outdoor events. Just yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, could you let the listeners know where they could follow you at? Yeah, I uh, am on Instagram. Uh, Where's my handle? It's uh, at Lex, L-E-X underscore J-C-7. And my Twitter is Alexis underscore C-H-I-7. Uh, yeah, those are the big ones. I've got a couple of like writing pages and stuff, but you can find that on my Instagram and Twitter anyway. So Twitter, Twitter's where I like to be. It's a good soccer community there. Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast, wherever you're listening, and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. 
That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.